0: All right, I'm going to jump straight into follow-up. That's fair, considering that is the typical starting point.
1: All I ask is that, should I say the word relentless or any of its attached forms? For the love of God, stop me. Last week's episode, I was going through the edit, and it was literally every second sentence. There was a point where I was going, Last of Us, oh, you know, and the violence and the misery of the world is relentless. It's just like... Come on, man, take a break, find another description. Oh, I see. So y- your follow-up for this week is um,
0: self-consciousness
1: about your verbal tics.
0: And constant meta-thinking about the way that you speak.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the follow-up to every week. But I feel like this week, there has to be some catch. Either you stop what I'm saying immediately the moment I use the word relentless with like a howling scream... <laughs> mm-hmm. Or I will, if if any of them are missed, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit in like a like a frustratingly annoying blarp sound, mm-hmm. and uh, and torture our audience for my mistakes. Uh, Your your punishment is to give yourself more work in the recording session. That's exactly it. Or the editing session, I should say. When it comes to the editing, it's all one big, nice, neat, linear line. And to put anything into it means jostling it about. The whole process is just relentless. Don't engage. Strike by night. Remain relentless till their troops take flight. Strong words from Lee. Someone ought to hold him to it.
0: I have some follow-up for this week as well. Oh, good. So uh, last week, I speculated that Too Mellow would be the composer for uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. That's the one. As it turns out, that, that they, managed, they managed to actually score the man himself, Hideki Naganuma, the no composer way. of the original Jet Set Radio. Yep.
1: What the fuck?
0: So the homework I sent you where I made you listen to that album, that turned out to be a whole waste of time, uh-huh. except it was quite a good album anyway, so who cares?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been listening to it all week, so it's not that, not that much of a waste. Plus, uh, yeah. as a as a massive uh, Sonic Rush soundtrack fan, this this ticks all the boxes, so I'm happy either way. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's good follow up, <laughs> nice and clean. <laughs> so, seeing as how uh, the format,
0: other than follow up going first, our format has been run roughshod over the last few weeks we just can't seem to make up our minds whether or not we want to do the news first of the week first what's
1: it going to be this week i i can i can predict more interesting content in the week section i guess so i Ooh, would say I put news first okay the
0: news <laughs> have i used that one before
1: i, I think i am i repeating myself i don't you know what that one seemed quite unique to me have you have you noticed yet that uh, one of the times you did maybe the first time you did the this week jingle I actually composed it and I've been using it semi regularly with your oh, with really? your with your voice dubbed into it in like a robot going
0: this is week yes yes I did notice the weird sampling <laughs> it's just that it happened it was it was like spliced into the middle of a conversation and I just assumed it was a mistake and was too polite to say anything it was like did
1: that mean to go there what, what? yes it did. It sounds terrible. You can't make out what you're saying in the clip, but <laughs> that's that's how I wanted it to turn out. I guess if I if I um if I take credit cool. for it or if I acknowledge it as uh, as intentional, I can't come under criticism. That's true. I meant to do that. Right, so, uh, news. We're back after our, our beloved, our favourite weeks, which are the ones where there's a press conference with uh, a list of games to slowly talk about. Pure content. Now we're back to fishing out stuff. The Oasis has come and went, and we're back into the, the drought. I, okay, I've got more uh, game-to-TV adapt adaptation news this week. And they're both Ubisoft, and... Uh, I mean, there are announcements, so I don't have anything to, like like talk about explicitly I mean,
0: one of them is really really funny on a conceptual level really beyond good and evil is funny because like hey do you remember that e3 a few years ago when they first announced beyond good and evil 2 that, that first announced it but when they said hey guys we're working on it look at all this pre-rendered yeah, look footage at- and they had a uh, who was it who was the celebrity they brought on they had a celebrity? Uh, your man from the third Nolan Batman movie, played Robin, what's his name? Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt was on stage talking about all the music that they're going to be including in the game and how oh, they were crowdsourced at all. That's right, what the fuck? I And had totally a, really impressive about that. Pre-re- a pre-rendered presentation about Beyond Good and Evil 2, where like, you know, plot stuff was happening, and it was all very important. And uh, they had like the cr- the showrunner on stage and he was almost in tears because he was so happy to be working on this project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I turned to you whilst this presentation was ongoing and I'm saying, none of this is real. This is all an imagination. <laughs> Beyond Good and Evil 2 doesn't exist, nor will it ever come out. This is just a figment of our collective imaginations. And guess yeah. what? Turns out it's true. Nothing has come of it since then. And mm-hmm. that was
1: like, what, five years ago? That uh, announcement, I believe, was in 2017. I think the next year they showed sort of real early footage of like the open world where Mm -hmm. like you could showed a bit of like them going around on like a hover scooter. Uh, And then the last two years has been absolute radio silence.
0: But hey, Beyond Good and Evil Anime. Woo, can't wait. Can't wait to get into this story that I can't remember because it's been so long.
1: This is uh, the news announcement is that there's a Beyond and Evil show. They didn't say anime. No, I, I've written here. This is my fault. It's confusing in the show notes. Oh, you've bamboozled me. Beyond Good and Evil and Splinter Cell anime for Netflix is the announcement. Those are two different things and only the Splinter Cell one is an anime. Beyond Good and Evil is a, apparently, like live-action TV adaptation of the first Beyond Good and Evil film. Uh, game. That is
0: really strange. Surely it would be the other way around, if anything.
1: Yes. Yes, surely. But no, apparently not. Split- the ghost of
0: Tom Clancy is asking what anime is.
1: <laughs> I mean, like Splinter Cell is a perfectly workable real life action hero concept that could work perfectly fine in a Jack Ryan kind of way on TV. Beyond mm-hmm. Good and Evil is a massive sci fi exploring Rick rolling adventure. That's not what you're supposed to say. Rick rolling. Rip. Roaring. Rip Roaring, thank you.
0: Yes, Rick rolling
1: is something else. Yeah, there must have been some sort of meeting where they got the notes mixed up. They must have got it all confused when they were too busy covering up rapists. <laughs> yeah, everything's backwards now. Guy rushes in, flustered. He's like, this is my last day on the job. I just wanted to say, split cell anime, beyond good and evil, live action, uh, goodbye. And disappeared in yeah, the night. off to the Bahamas, gotta go. <laughs> oh yeah, the Bahamas, that's about right. Uh yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some really big Nietzsche fans who are going to be on Netflix one day are going to be very confused when they see this and go, "What's all this fucking sci-fi alien shit? What's going on mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Oh, is Nietzsche is Nietzsche too highbrow for this show?
1: Never. Is no is, is no one going to get that joke? I'm I'm sure half the people listening to this podcast right now have just been googling the the latest mention of Beyond Good and Evil in in any form of SEO result. And uh, that's why they're here.
0: Uh, It doesn't help that Nietzsche is a very difficult name to spell. Alright, homework for this week. Read the entirety of Beyond Good and Evil by Nietzsche. (laughs) I'm a bad bad reader as it is. (laughs) Good luck finding a game to play while you're listening to this bad boy.
1: (laughs) I wonder if anybody has ever tried to to play Beyond Good and Evil while listening to Beyond Good and Evil. A psychopath (laughs) Yeah. Some sort of two-brained monster. Also in the news. And by news, I mean wild speculation and alleged news. What's new in the grapevine? Uh, EA. This is technically follow-up. EA potentially looking to swallow up Warner Brothers Interactive, which is a semi-follow-up to a previous news story we talked about, about Microsoft maybe swallowing Warner Brothers Interactive. So far, all this seems to confirm is rumors abound about the Definitely happening, swallowing up of Warner Brothers Interactive, but everyone with their sort of oriental fans are playing damn coy about who's getting the fucking meal. (laughs) It would certainly be in EA's character to swallow
0: up another company. Mm Mm-hmm. It being the the all consuming voracious Wendigo
1: that it is. Yeah, what's uh, as another Jim Sterling reference the unicronic arts?
0: Mm-hmm. Insert your Photoshop of a uh, Saturn eating his children here. <laughs> yeah. EA and
1: the studio of the week. To be fair to EA in this case, Warner Brothers Interactive have been making games in the sort of model of EA as of late. Mm-hmm. So it's not all that surprising that 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 seems that would seem to me like a decent fit. Because yeah, this...
0: it's Alien vs. Predator, really. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> what I'm interested in about this, what, if any, properties go along with this? Certainly not Batman. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I'm sure a lot of the, the franchises Warner Brothers have a hand on are held actually by Warner Brothers, the company, and loaned to Interactive from an inside perspective. They, they probably... Yeah. They probably don't just get handed straight over to the first company who buys them. Mm. I mean, I know when when BioWare were bought out, it was right in the middle of Sonic Chronicles, the Dark Brotherhood. And so they were obliged to EA were obliged to help sort of finance and finish off that for Sega. Mm-hmm. So at which point it was the series was promptly cancelled. Yes, uh, which is heartbreaking. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to me uh, and maybe rip, me alone.
0: <laughs> mm, rip, roll the the uh, echidna stands out there. We'll never <laughs> see that character again.
1: Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, so if EA swallow up Warner Brothers Interactive, I assume. They would be obliged to finish finish up Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game that has been rumored and yet unrevealed as of yet. Depends how far into production it is. I would imagine if it's if it's nearing trailer time, I'm assuming it's nearing you know a year of production at most to go.
0: Imagine they're trying to rush out a trailer so that the project doesn't get shit canned. Mm. There you go, the trailer's out. Can't cancel it now. Mm. Imagine all the face we would lose.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean uh, yeah I assume Warner Brothers keep a hold of the Lord of the Rings, all the DC properties. Uh, so what does that leave? Um, Mortal Kombat, I guess? Alright. I'm gonna Google it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're right, okay. I've got I've got a list of their video games. They will I'm gonna I'm gonna call out the uh, the original titles that aren't potentially owned by Warner Brothers that they might have to publish.
0: All right, lay them on me. Oh, oh the Matrix Online, that got shit canned. That's a shame. I heard that was quite good.
1: Okay, so apparently Warner Brothers Interactive have published the last Hitman games? Oh, that'd be quite a get. Yeah, so I guess, so I know Square Enix parted with IO Interactive uh, mm-hmm. the other year. Uh, but I didn't realize that Warner Brothers were now in the, the homestead for that company. So, okay, that's that's something. All the Harry Potter stuff, I take it, isn't going anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers Interactive seems to publish anything by Traveler's Tales, the Lego guys. So, I mm-hmm. assume that stays with Warner Brothers as well. Warner Brothers, the film company. So, EA doesn't get mm-hmm. that. Scribble Nuts. <laughs> Not really what I would call a hot property at the
0: minute. Yeah. Fear. <laughs> Again, not a hot property, but hey, it's got a, you know, it's got, it's got clite.
1: Mm. Gauntlet, uh, the latest Gauntlet game, apparently. So, you know, there's the age-old franchise Gauntlet moving from another from another house to another house. I'm trying to discern which one of these were just published by them, but aren't owned by them. Because I know for a fact that Supergiant games aren't owned by Warner Brothers, no way. With Supergiant, I believe uh, Warner Brothers helped co-fund, or co-fund... Uh, Bastion, and then Supergiant have been their own thing ever since. Ah, gotcha. Pacific Rim, the mobile game. (laughs) What a guess. No, that's 100% another uh, film owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be it. I guess that's why uh, it's taken so long for us to learn who's buying them, because nobody wants to buy them. Here's here's the thing. The reason why the speculation has turned to EA of all the companies named in the original uh, rumor package... Is mm-hmm. because EA have recently had a sort of shareholder conference deal. And there was a sort of Q&A at it. Uh, and somebody asked, you know, what's what's to the rumors about Warner Brothers Interactive? And EA, in a sort of semi-political stance, didn't say anything technically about whether they were or weren't looking into it. But they did say that they as a company prioritize staff and, uh, and talented staff over intellectual properties so mm, i
0: don't believe that but okay
1: so well they're the the example they use is um the, the the company that make uh titanfall they said they they wanted the company because they were good at their tech more than they really wanted titanfall although they are glad they got titanfall if they were really playing the long game for like a, a, a massive company they probably wouldn't have jumped on remedy wasn't it
0: oh i believe it was respawn entertainment actually oh you're
1: right you're right anyway uh i guess the the point here is that ea by saying they were they were more interested in buying companies for their staff than for their properties it was almost a sort of knowing comment on the fact that they weren't getting shit if they bought warner brothers interactive except their staff Mm -hmm. so that's that's why they are the newsworthy topic of this and to be fair. It also makes sense for EA's general structure because while they do close down a lot of their companies, what tends to happen is they move the key staff from those companies to other companies they own and then just Mm -hmm. sort of jumble them around until every company that they and and sort of identity they publish under are some sort of mass blur of staff and creatives who. No longer gel with each other, uh, yeah. and, uh, and homogenized. I think is the word you're looking for, which reflects in what they make, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think no product, like you know, none. As far as I remember, none of the like the key original staff in Bioware, no, work at Bioware anymore. You know, yeah, they jump ship. They work at Obsidian now. That would be the right place to of, go, yeah, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of the, the early people in Bioware jump ship and now work at places like Obsidian. Obsidian's the big one because they're the go-to RPG company
1: now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it makes some degree of sense uh, that EA are in the running and that EA would reasonably be expected to prioritize staff over products or, uh, or IP because I guess that's what they do technically.
0: Mm-hmm. thus ends the business insider portion of this podcast
1: yep uh, <laughs> I guess the last last bit of remotely interesting news that I could think of was the, the Nintendo Giga leak was was uh, unearthed
0: L is real L is real
1: uh, yeah apparently so after all these years they
0: find Luigi and the reaction on the Im- the image boards was nothing short as a r- of a religious... Revelation. I guess uh, yeah, almost a unanimous smokeness. <laughs> I think more, uh, what would the phrase be? Exultation. Mm. All people on their knees. <laughs> ha- arms raised to the sky. Imagine if you drank the Kool-Aid in the Jonestown Massacre, only it wasn't poison. Turns out he was right the whole time. Something akin to that, I think. Ah, uh,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And right as they were about to kill themselves, the UFOs scooped them all up and whisked them away to the land of milk and honey that was the reaction in the image boards mm. to the discovery that L is real I imagine that uh, we should probably just clarify that L refers to Luigi in Mario 64
1: yes his, uh, his assets finally unearthed I guess uh, I guess the, the great thing with the Luigi unearthing in Super Mario 64 among all the other great and very weird and varied revelations over the last week that have slowly been dished out from this massive leak on Nintendo's uh, Nintendo's? <laughs> Nintendo's Old archive.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, he kicked me right in the Nintendos. <laughs>
1: of course, uh, it kind of gives—I uh, don't know—hope to the baseless speculators of the world. Mm-hmm. It, oh yeah, it, every, every every stray shadow that we've ever wo- wondered or worried about, every every little creepy pasta unearthed in any single Nintendo game. There's there's mm-hmm. there's hope. There's light. Mm-hmm. Geno will be in Smash. And the Earth is indeed flat. Those those spooky silhouettes in Super Mario Galaxy Two, they are mm. important. Those are the lost spirits of. Uh, I don't remember what the creepy pasta to that is, but it's oh, it's, it's real. It was
0: the developer's son drowned, and his ghost now possesses the master copy of every. Of Super Mario Galaxy that's Four, so all the copies contain a fragment of the ghost. He drowned
1: in like a glacial lake, and that's why it's on the ice planet. It was put there. exactly. He's here.
0: And if you if you uh, if you run around in circles thirty times on that level, and then jump into the water, photorealistic Mario will jump out of the screen <laughs> and kill you. <laughs> and you'll see you'll see uh you'll see Mario with like bloodshot realistic eyes
1: and mirrors wherever you go for the rest of your life. And he's got to get you. And if this were a official media podcast thing, this is where we would have put up the, the shocking 10-year-old realistic Mario concept that everybody's super, super aware of. and There's long past not being creeped out by. They always say
0: photorealistic like that's meant to mean something. Like, oh, yeah. It's always photorealistic. <laughs> Can I just go on record to say that I think, what's your creepy past a monster look like? Oh, it's just a dude, but his eyes are fucked up. Yeah. Lazy. Lazy. It. Jeff the Killer. What about lazy? What if, uh, yeah.
1: Or what if it has no face at all?
0: Man, just, it peaked with Slenderman. Like, you hit Slenderman, and it was great. And then everything after that was just shit. <laughs> ben Drowned was alright. Ben Drowned was alright. Because it was the original video game pasta. But everything after that, just dog shit. All
1: derivative. <laughs> worthless. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a massive follower of uh, of Creepypasta. I know this might shock you as a person who gets right into the deep of every horror story going by. Remember when I said in episode one I was interested in playing Soma and yet have not mentioned it since in seven episodes? Mm. Yes, that's because
0: I'm not a coward. I think I basically had to force you to play Amnesia and we didn't even get very far in it. And you didn't think it was scary at all. I think that you and I share a similar problem just to different mediums. Like I apply this to movies, you apply this to games, where we're more, we fear fear itself more than the actual contents of our respective mediums. Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Here's the thing, right? I mean, maybe this is a small divulging conversation, but mm-hmm. you know, here with horror games, I feel like there's a there's like an age where. It's really smart to be exposed to them. Uh mm-hmm. you know, like you're supposed to grow up, say, in the PS1 era and you get like Silent Hill or your your cousin lends you Silent Hill or something, you know, or you're at his house and you watch him play it or something like that. And then you get exposed to it. And from there you you, you sort of form a a relationship with horror games as like a good time. Or there's like a pivotal moment where you can you have an experience you can like reflect on that makes you comfortable about starting a new one you know mm-hmm. and i never had that you know i never had a horror game i i i can't even think of a, game, a horror game that i i played until i was like easily 18 19 and by then i think the time had passed and so now every time i kind of boot up a game like soma i have this sort of anxiety about the entire experience because i'm like i, I need to be in the right space to be you know to you know to have to deal with spooky scary game and that is prevents me from enjoying it far more than uh, the experience itself, which would probably be fine. But it's... it's it's, And I, I, I think it comes down to not having had, like, that formative experience. Like, you would have played, like, Silent Hill or something like that at a younger age than I did. I didn't play Silent Hill until I was, like, 19. You tried to get me to play Silent Hill when I uh-huh. was 19. So that's not true. <laughs> you were, like, 15. Oh, I okay. get... <laughs> Uh, I guess it would have been 16 then. I feel like the first horror
0: game I ever played was Resident Evil 4. It was when I was like 13.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, but that's what I mean. I have a really good experience with Resident Evil 4, but I played Resident Evil 4 for the first time when I was maybe 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't had any experience to any other Resident Evil game at that point.
0: So it's, Sounds it's like after-the-fact justification for
1: being a massive bitch to me. <laughs> like. yes. I'm not trying to back out of saying, and that's why I'll never play horror games. That's that's not what I'm getting at. I absolutely want to play horror games. that's why all my reluctance
0: to play horror games are psychologically justified, and I don't have to feel like a massive coward.
1: <laughs> yeah, I absolutely want to play horror games. I just think I overthink the process of wanting to play horror games, I guess. And that's why each time I look at them, or I start them, the only fond... Memory I have of playing them was in a social context,
0: I... and how with me sitting next to you, like staring at your face, like scrutinizing every reaction <laughs> yeah. to every scripted jump scare. Yeah, it's at this point that you would say to yourself, "You know what, Lee? Sometimes it's okay to not finish games. It's all right. It's it's fine." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and thus formed my philosophy of the last several episodes. Uh-huh. So yeah, now I have to back it up with facts and science and opinion and a think piece that I then put onto my podcast and thus officiate to some capacity. Put it out in the world. There's, you know, there's a there's a formula for quitting games. Now it's real. Now I'll never have to be spooked again, <laughs> or have to finish Hollow Knight. Uh, that was targeted. <laughs>
0: So, I guess we will start with my week because it will be the shortest, I suspect. I, I, I have two things written up
1: this week, so.
0: I have one. <gasps> so I've got you there. Nice. Well, uh, I'm cheating a little bit because this will be part of this week and it will be part of next week, but uh, I've. Following on from our conversation from the previous podcast about my DS being held hostage by Bravely Default, I have resolved that I will slay this beast. Come hell or high water. At last. Yes, I'm so close to the end that I may as well. It's just, it's like the final sprint. I gotta do it. And uh, I feel this may be a good time for me to start the this conversation, you know, the Bravely Default rant.
1: A 12-part saga.
0: And you can get, you know, the, uh, the thumbnail of me going, ah, with like a, a red circle and an arrow
1: pointing at nothing. <laughs> so I take it that... After our conversation last week, it, it was it was more prevalent in your brain than before. How just mm-hmm. how pressing and exhausting carrying the dead weight that was never finishing bravely default. Mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta excise the tumor mm-hmm. because uh,
0: not only is it you know weighing on my mind, it's also preventing me from playing other games in the DS that I would like
1: to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a new free DS that kind of that can only be so old. And I can remember you talking about this fucking game for easily over a year. So mm-hmm. that's a long time to have an almost brand new console that you got a nice game for to have not play anything else on the thing.
0: So uh, bravely default for those who don't know is a retro throwback Square Enix RPG in the vein of you know your your Final Fantasies and your your Chrono Triggers and whatnot. Mm. Now I, uh, my experience with the this genre like you know the retro stuff is Secret of Mana, which was all right, but I never finished. And I never really cared for. Okay. And uh Chrono Trigger, which may have been a mistake because it was the first one I ever played, and it was also the best one ever made. <laughs> Persona Four Syndrome is what that's called in my head. Mm-hmm. So bravely Default, uh, I was like, oh well, what's a nice JRPG on the new Nintendo 3DS, which was the one that I was getting. Oh Bradley Default, I've heard good things about that. Apparently, it's a it's a throwback to the to yesteryear so uh why not get that oh the the art on the the front cover looks very nice it's nice and illustrated not at all representative of the art of the actual game that's just
1: chibi crap oh yeah of course the square enix budget division you think you're safe of bravely default but now they're coming back for your games <laughs> trials of mana and secret of mana and all those games chibi chibi art style 3d Cheap as, cheap as chips. So I bought it and,
0: you know, I was playing through it and I was like, mm, yeah, okay, this is all right. You know, it, it was supposed to be a throwback, but it just ended up being generic as a result. Hmm. Oh, you've got assemb- you've assembled your party and now you must go rejigger the four energy crystals and the four kingdoms. And then you can use that to marshal a, a powerful enough force to defeat the evil kingdom, the magitech wielding kingdom. And, okay. and inevitably
1: God. As, as is the way. That's more the Shimagami Tensei way. <laughs> it was surely Final Fantasies tend to end with murdering God, right? With with uh, Final
0: Fantasy, it's more in the vein of a human who got ideas above his station and took on the
1: power of a God yeah. and you need to slap him down again. Yes, anyway, magic tech. Well, that, that's, uh-huh. a, that's a recurring concept, right? I mean, that was in Final Fantasy VI, wasn't it? It is, back when
0: the idea was fresh. <laughs> Anyway, this is exactly what I mean where it's like the enemy kingdom is Magitech because, as you know, magic is the realm of nature and wholesomeness and technology is something to be frowned upon. That means industrialization and that's no good. Mm -hmm. So Bravely Default does eventually, I suppose, play with the formula a little bit. You know, there's subversions of whatnot. Eventually you reveal that the Magitech kingdom, surprise, surprise, it's not as bad as we originally thought. Who would have guessed? And uh, the, the 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 nature crystal energy. That's not so But That's actually not all it's cracked up to be. Oh my God. But you see, these revelations come about 80% of, of the way through into what is ostensibly a like 100-hour game. Dear God. And uh, they're revelations that you will have figured out by about 50% of the way through, whilst your idiot, idiot protagonists need to have it explained to them. Let's talk about the protagonists <laughs> of this game. There's... there's uh, Four of your party members, and I hate half of them. Wait, there's only four? There's four main party members and uh, a sort of spiritual navvy guy that accompanies you.
1: I thought this was one of those games where you, you pick four of eight or something like that. Or maybe that's no. just their later o- Octopath Traveler.
0: Yes, you're thinking of Octopath. So uh, there's four characters. Ring a bell, who's great because he has character and uh, flaws. <laughs> there's Idea who also has character and flaws, even if she is a bit annoying at times. And then there's the other two, whom I hate. I detest them, Lee. I utterly hate them. There's Agnes, who is... I am shrine lady who has a religious mission that is the main plot of this game, and I'm a complete fool, and I will ignore any evidence that my... Faith is not all that's cracked up to be, and I will lead us all into danger, and I will make mistakes, and I will be sanctimonious about it the whole time. Neat. And then you have Agnes, who... Is, so, no, you have, um... Oh, a, a, he's so bland, I've forgotten his name. What is it? <laughs> Tiz. He's the the audience surrogate, I suppose, And that he's the, you know, he's the farm lad who has to have everything explained to him. Hmm. He's just a simp for Agnes. He's just completely blank. He just does everything she says because he's kind of enamored with her. And he gets defensive whenever anyone questions her. I hate him too. He's the worst. They're all I, assume, idiots. I assume
1: his main role is to prompt dialogue, which helps over-explain the world.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs>
1: and uh, I'm going to drop some uh, some spoilers for
0: Bravely Default. You know, this ancient game that I hate. So, uh, let's see. So, at some point it's revealed that uh, your spiritual guide, who is really annoying, is a fairy called Eri. <laughs> She's really annoying. Basically, every time you open up the pause menu, she's just there to nag you about the main quest, regardless of what you're doing. And it's different from every area you're in. So you could be on a side quest and she'd say, should we be like doing the main quest right about now? And you'll be in a different area. And she'll say, this seems like a waste of time. We should all be doing the main quest. Wow. And listen, <laughs> it turns out she's evil about like in the last temp, sorry, the party finds out that she's evil about in the last 15% of the game, even though it's apparent by the last quarter. And uh, I suppose the idea is, oh, she's deliberately annoying. She's deliberately railroading the party, which would be excellent if it weren't for the fact that you have to put up with her for 80% of the game. <laughs> and then she has the fucking gall whenever it's revealed that she's evil to do the whole, none of you ever suspected. I was a line <laughs> sinker. I fooled you the whole time. And I'm like, ugh. I mean, like, people who are supposedly the enemies of the party have to sit them down and explain to them the plot twists because they're so stupid. Of course. They're so naive. They're so surprised by things that are blitheringly obvious. And then... Uh, I am so angry. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you rejigger the four crystals, right? Sure. And then you get to the final... The, the, the supposed final boss and a giant pillar of light appears players in the center of the map and you go into it. And then... Everything goes back to normal, and it's like you'd never started your journey to begin with. Oh, good. And then you have to do it all over again, but it's a time loop, right? It's like a Groundhog Day time loop. Would you like to guess how many loops they have to go through before they figure out what's happening? It's like four. Jesus. (laughs) And meanwhile, while you're doing this, the game encourages you to fight all... So there's like, I want to say maybe 10 bosses per loop. And you have to fight all those bosses all over again every time,
1: oh, and perfect. you go through this even loop like seven times. Devil May Cry boss rush <laughs> in JRPG form, even more fun. Turn based, wow! Yeah.
0: So I'm in the I'm in the area immediately preceding the final dungeon where you're doing the final run prep. I'm just grinding up all the classes and the jobs for your like your You have your character level and your job level, and you've got to grind both. And I'm just doing all that, <laughs> and I've got I've got all the, the anti-grinding features on, such as eventually you get a spell far too late in the game, if you ask me, that kills all the enemies that you encounter if they're below a certain level, so I'm just doing that. Just, you know, stick on a podcast, run around, trigger a random encounter, kill them all, reap the XP, and just do that a hundred times until you've gotten to the level that you want to be, you know, get all your jobs to the max level. So that, you know, when you get to a really difficult boss battle, you can not have too much trouble with it. And now that I've... I'm just going to do a little bit more of that, and then I'm going to do the final dungeon, and then I'm going to be free of this game. Mm. My DS will be free, and I can finally play that Miles Edgeworth game that I've been
1: sitting on for like two years. Oh, dear God. Yeah, it, it sounds like the usual... Late game JRPG grind to win. Uh, I recently played the first Dragon Quest, which mercifully was about four hours long.
0: Mm-hmm. I've been told that uh, Dragon Quest is grind city, which is why I've avoided it, because I hate grinding.
1: I You see, that's it depends on whether you know what you're in for. Uh, and it depends how the game allows you to grind. I don't mind in JRPGs grinding so long as it doesn't rob me of something or as long as it it can be streamlined to some degree i don't mind mindlessly engaging in a loop a thankless loop mm-hmm. and what i liked about dragon quest was basically every couple of steps you could pop into like this town and you would get instantly healed up and then you could step back out and then just walk around in circles until you beat all the things and you level up to mm-hmm. certain degrees and you sort of kind of you dip your toe in the pool, gain some experience and crawl back and crawl back and back and forth. And it was, you know, it's it's such a repetitive, easy loop, but it made the game as fun to explore as a top down 2D JRPG from the fucking 80s could possibly be. Because yeah, I was inclined to see the rest of the area and inc- inclined to grind my way there. Mm hmm. This sounds like the late post-Final Fantasy world of this type of grind, where it's not just enough for you to laboriously drag your ass to the to the wild monster area to, to grind. They've also got some other fucking over-the-top secondary loop that you have to keep on top of to win the game. Fuck, I just remembered something
0: else about this game that I hate. It's like an onion. You peel off so many layers and you just cry all the way down. Uh, You know why I said that uh, a person who's supposed to be their enemy has to sit down and explain the plot to them? Yeah. That only happens on, like, the fourth loop. Because every time up until that point, even though they have no reason not to communicate with people who know the plot and can explain it to them, they just choose not to because they're on opposite sides. I'm not going to listen to anything that you have to say. No way, you're a bad guy. It's like or like occasionally like uh it'll be a situation where like no you're doing what you the party are doing is actually a bad thing and you shouldn't do it really why is that oh i'll never tell <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, i mean uh, whatever what that would break the set destined path that you're on
0: characters that have every reason to talk sit down like it's just a bad case of just sit down and talk yeah just yeah. talk <laughs> <laughs> just talk you have every reason to communicate with one another but you're choosing not to because the game needs to be stretched out another 20 hours anyway but ring but a bell's all right he's cool
1: ah good what i wanted to ask is is this like a kid's game or does it seem like a kid's game to you uh could it be argued that it's a kid's game like my first I mean, jrpg no I, I even if it was baby's
0: first jrpg i would be very reluctant to give it Leeway on that basis, because you have to keep in mind this game is a deliberate throwback to like SNES yeah, the, the era complex RPGs. Final Fantasies
1: for children of yesteryear. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's that the children, you know, it's accessible the children, but they wouldn't be the core demographic.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember a, a more semi-modern DS JRPG that I played was a uh, Golden Age. Uh, I'm going to say New Dawn. It might be Dark Dawn or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, which had a, a lot of this, what sounds like a lot of a similar sort of leveling progression, frustrating characters who just needed everything over explained to each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it hit me at some point, maybe about uh, like eight hours into this, that uh, this this was a game for babies. <laughs> And I was playing already sunk too much time into this game for babies the the world wasn't getting more interesting the characters were getting less interesting I will say this,
0: bravely default I don't know if it's intended for children I think that's unlikely, but I will say this it does seem to assume that I am a much, much stupider person than I actually am (laughs) I will complete this game and then this series will be dead to me and then I will be free to do whatever I like
1: (laughs) Which will be to play more Ace Attorney.
0: And that was my week. Yeah that, yeah, that was my weekly, and will be my week.
1: How was your weekly? Uh, This week, uh, I've got some new material and some holdover material from last week. Uh, Ooh. In that it was material that I had prepared for last week, but the show was too long to actually talk about it. So I've just I've just held off. Yeah, we're lagging behind, so we need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say straight up this week though there is no Dark Souls cubbyhole. Uh, uh, it's the highlight of my I week. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, okay, th- th- very briefly, I am currently mid-fighting the the Moonlight Butterfly, uh. <laughs> who's who I've, I've more or less beat. I just haven't finished beating him yet, and that's about it. I spent way yeah, okay. too long beating up big statue guys in the garden, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. I haven't I've been playing other games this week, which I'll talk about. Well, other game this week, which I'll talk about. But uh, first, here's the here's the, the, the stuff I've I held off from last week, which was more anime. Ooh. Uh, so my my whole thing last week, uh, for those who for some reason skip episodes or. <laughs> would never venture back unthinkable unthinkable i know i've started a new thing to pad out content on the show because games are hard to talk about every week and have sweet hot takes uh that i would i would watch anime and not only that i venture to find my own anime without recommendation which is a new it's a first for me
0: it's a perilous game
1: yeah absolutely and it, you know it really could have gone either way at this point uh, i've watched three things so far uh i'm still watching digimon it's an ongoing thing Uh, it's barely started Mm -hmm. but that was last week's conversation and there's literally no new information and probably won't be any new information for digimon even though i'll continue to watch it (laughs) Uh, unless something like really upsetting happens Uh, the other thing i've been watching more recently since catching up with the show i'm about to talk about has been cowboy bebop i might talk about that next week if i finish it uh i've never Mm -hmm. finished it it's, although it is something that has been recommended to me and I've tried to watch before, I'm just now sitting down and actually watching it this time.
0: Uh, it's at this point that I should also confess that while I got very far, I don't believe I ever actually finished it either. Oh, that's
1: that's actually a relief. Bebop's a, is, is is a hard one to keep consistent with because it so neatly ends each episode. So and to push through has been taken all my fucking energy. But I'm enjoying it and I got a lot farther this time than I had last time I tried to watch it. But uh, I'll save that for a future episode. What I watched totally unprovoked last week and caught up in was a full season of 13 episodes of an anime called Tower of God. Tower of God. That sounds familiar. So this is semi brand new. It's only come out this year. But it's a long 10 year running South Korean manhwa Mm -hmm. by a guy called SIU or CU maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't. Heard anybody audibly talk about this show? I don't know how any 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 of the conversation has went so far, <laughs> or uh, or anything about the. I, I read one interview from the creator, and the fact that I read it means I still don't know how to say his name. <laughs> oh, this looks like a shonen. Tower of God is shoneny, so shoneny. Uh, and I, I think the first thing that I was worried about was that it was going to be far too shoneny for its own good, mm-hmm. and. Uh, The only reason I was drawn to it was that it it had basically come out like a couple of weeks ago. And I was in my adventurous state. I was looking at the art styles between a bunch of the most recent things that had come out. And was like, that one's the nicest looking to me. It's very clean cut. It does look very clean. Yeah. Yeah, very clean. So, uh, but I was deathly afraid of the fact that it had a sort of pretty boy anime boy on its cover. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I was really hesitant to start it. Something that uh, also was made all the more daunting after watching the first episode, which is a fucking mess. Mm. Here are a, a number of things the first episode of Tar of God tries to throw at you within its 20-odd minutes of runtime. Uh, the establishing relationship between its main character, Bam, a secondary character called Rachel, and a mm-hmm. magic Tar of God, which grants wishes. Gotcha. Then, also, a world that exists outside that tar, which those two characters originally live in, but then move into the tar. uh uh-huh. a, a princess of Jihad, who is some sort of super queen who lives and or works in the tar. A magical talking weapon that has some sort of god in it. Have you so far. Uh, some sort of uh, rabid administrator of the tar, who seems to control... The trials, but uh, also taken aback by the sort of under, but over at the same time, the Princess of Jihad in the the first episode. And following. It also has uh, enough time to cram in a full-on ninja trial where you have to, where our main character has to break a ball open uh, to to pass, to even get entrance to the tower.
0: (laughs) Neat and this is all squeezed into what a 20 minute 20, period? 23
1: odd minutes it's fucking hellish it was like watching the first arc of naruto on fast forward <laughs> yeah and so that was a fucking nightmare all my fears seemingly addressed in the first instance that this was going to be both a long roaming shonen ass shonen show that i should immediately evacuate lest i be stuck with the shonen's <laughs> which i'm actively trying to sort of save to last in this Anime exploration thing, or I'm never gonna get anything done. So, uh, did you stick around for long? I did. You do the three episode trial? I did. I have a four episode trial, but you are right that there was only three episodes needed to be on board with this one. And what really helps with Tara of Gun. I don't know why it's doing this because it's shonen as fuck and it has a lot of material to draw on, but uh, it only has a 13 episode season, JoJo style. Ah. So, it's uh, it's it's what's on there is done a complete full season. Uh, it's bite-sized. Yeah, so you can you can view it in what I did, which was like three days, and uh, and then that's it for a year. Put it away. It's good. I I massively appreciate that because shonen ash shonen shows come out week after week with often barely incremental episodes uh, that you have to trail. If you join at any point too early, you have to just wait months for it to get anywhere, and you're better off waiting a year. And by then, people have talked and mo- talked about it, moved on, and uh, this is the Naruto experience, anyway. It was a fucking nightmare to keep up with.
0: Yeah, I got to the bit where zombies were
1: invading, and I was like,
0: is this filler? And it turns out it was filler. That's
1: like the last arc, but that last arc is about fucking 200 manga issues long. Yeah.
0: See, the thing with Naruto is, like the first season, or the first iteration of the show, it was great, because you watched it, and then you got to the bit where the filler started, and you were like, I'm going to stop now. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would start Shiputin and you would watch that. And then, uh-oh, the filler's been mixed in with the canon stuff, so there's no avoiding it. <laughs> yeah, they're teasing out little bits of canon throughout the filler. And then there's Boruto, which as I understand it is pure fill Just filler. It's just, it's whatever, dude. Kishimoto isn't even working on it. Did he give linear notes, or
1: did he just fuck off? I don't even know.
0: Uh, I've no fucking idea. He got busy and started working on his new samurai project, which promptly got shit canned because it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it wasn't it's, very it's good.
1: Sold poorly, as what I've heard. Samurai Eight. Yeah. So what's interesting about Tara God is that it's 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 Naruto. It's trim Naruto, though, and that's why I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna recommend it because it's the part of Naruto which was good. The first season is essentially the 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 exams from the first. Series of Naruto, the young part of it, which was the best well, part of that I, show. I mean,
0: oh, it's the tournament arc. It's that is in every shonen. Well, no,
1: that's not technically true. It's the death survival in a forest arc, which ended in a tournament arc. Uh, uh-huh. But this is mostly the Hunger Games ass forest arc, the show, which was the best part of the show. I've I've been told that
0: uh, if if you're looking for Naruto but good. The go-to show these days would be My Hero Academia, mm. which is just green Naruto but with superheroes <laughs> instead of ninjas. That seems to have a, it seems to be delighting in the fact that it's a shonen, and it's just to said, hey, do the Termin Arc here and do this arc here. Oh good, just do it well.
1: Yeah. The good thing about Tar of God is that it it has a, a good couple of differences from Naruto, but it hits a lot of the same beats. For one, mm. its main character Bam, who has a genuine end goal, and that end goal is tied to a person and not just to himself.
0: Oh, I see. He has to find that man. Well, he
1: has to. He has to find Rachel, and Rachel mm. is essentially his surrogate mother in the outside of the tar. Uh, she's like his age, and she goes up to the tar to seek her own fucking life, and him like a latch, an abandoned dog follows suit while everyone around him tells him. Get over it, it's a bad idea. Uh, and the, the show is about how much of a bad idea it is to look for this girl. Who, mercifully, you don't have to wait long to see again. It's like episode four. <laughs> but the, the central conceit, I guess, is that the main guy isn't a super pard wonder. I mean, he might be. There's mm-hmm. there's hints that he might end up being.
0: I'm sure he'll fall
1: into some power at some point. Yeah, but it, I guess, unlike Naruto, of which we had the magic blood... Mm-hmm. The main character of this bam uh, doesn't doesn't have doesn't, doesn't seem to have shit, and certainly by the end of the se- first season hasn't really shown us much other than his one really good far, which again similar to Naruto is that he gets on really well with other people.
0: Uh, he's got the what is it the uh, therapy nojutsu. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I've never heard that before. In Naruto, it almost became uh, to a fault. As you would get the later parts of the series where you're bumping them against characters who are reprehensible and have done like basically atrocities and war crimes.
1: Straight up genocide. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and then you would get a, a scene where there's a flashback with them sitting at a swing by themselves all alone in black and white. And you go, oh, they had a tragic backstory. So Naruto is like, oh, I sympathize with you and you feel bad for them. <laughs> And suddenly they're a good guy, and believe it or not, there was an even worse person pulling the strings for them behind the scenes. And then this repeats about six times until you get to six the real, final generous. bit bad, which is barely even a person. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you don't have to feel bad about uh, them killing her, essentially.
1: Oh, uh, Naruto is maybe one of the most disappointing things to ever be invested in. I remember that Kakashi cosplay you did one Halloween. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Lee being blown up on stream. I also exposed. went to a con as Kakashi once. The one time I ever went to a con. And I had a great time. And I got into an uh, improvised fight with some guy dressed up as one of the Akatsuki dudes. Whatever you call Akatsuki. those guys. That's them. Uh, he, They started a, a really serious shunin fight with me in the hallway. That was good. That was a good day. Good experience. <laughs> I'm trying to embarrass you here, Lee. You know, I gotta own that shit. I mean... Come on, man! We're in a, a fucking way. video game podcast.
0: I'll get you eventually. I'll get in there.
1: Anyway, Tar God, I do recommend. Uh, it's good, shown and fun, and but mercifully also has a, a, a tight enough arc from the first thirteen episodes where you can. You could quit there and say that's how it ended uh, mm-hmm. if you wanted to. And that would be perfectly acceptable. I, I say the strength of the show comes from the fact that all the characters in it, basically all of them, including the main guy, are genuinely likable. Mm-hmm. Bam is, is not unlike Naruto, who is permanently an asshole for the first part of the show and then mm-hmm. a stoic asshole for the latter part of the show. Mm-hmm. Bam is uh, is earnest and sensitive and just wants people to get along. Other people benefit from his inclusion, unlike Naruto, who they suffer under. <laughs> his, 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 his presence in their group forces them to keep asking themselves, but what of Naruto? And uh, Naruto is ruining my day, but he's such a good guy. and Wow, he really has the power to inspire people again and again and again. Uh, Bam, mm-hmm. he's aspiring to maybe two or three characters, and then the other characters are just grateful that he can, that they can manipulate others through him. Uh, he's pure; he's a very pure boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of great characters. His main, his team, seven of the group are, are quite uh, cute. Uh, he has another guy; his name's Kun. He's pretty cool. He's he seems schemy, but keeps keeps making uh, keeps going out of his way to do nice things. And uh, and he's deeply deeply gay in any moment he's in, which is just wonderful. Uh, and they've got Rack, who's a giant war like crocodile
0: dude. Mm, I saw that. I saw him in the the screenshots I'm looking at. And I'm like, oh, hello, the character that
1: I like. Yeah, and he's 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 straight up comic relief. He uh, he's he's your uh, Drax. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I've not grown really tired of him yet. Is you know, it just it just makes you smile. It's just a it's a very cheery show when it's not commiserating awful betrayals backstories mm-hmm. miserable philosophy and sort of cosmic horror uh of which there is some and it's all good it's all oh, quite yeah. enjoyable there's a there's a god involved and 13 episodes in we've only ever heard of him
0: i understand he has a tower is that true
1: yeah yeah apparently oh. uh, uh it could all go horribly wrong Bam, for one has amnesia classic that or is some sort of they're teasing amnesia, but might be just some sort of reincarnation of, of something. It could go either what way. What if Dan was the god all along? Yeah, exactly. could really go either way. It apparently has enough material to go on forever, and that's also a red flag. There's intrigue. But there is intrigue, yeah. and there's a, there's a genuine mystery about how it all works that has got me tailed along by about episode three, when I realized I actually liked some of the characters, it was basically downhill from there. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if anybody's in the in the market for shonen ash shonen, uh, and you know want to test the waters for thirteen very packed but very decently paced thirteen episodes, bar episode one, I recommend Tower of God. All right. Uh, out of curiosity, does
0: the does the does the misses like the anime? Your wife Maria, Maria, your wife. Does she like the Japanese, the Chinese cartoons? Uh, <laughs>
1: I would say she approves of them, but it's not for her, if that makes that's sense. That's an interesting way to phrase that. Well, that's because that's almost how she phrased it. Uh, <laughs> she approves of that as my hobby, uh, or something to get <laughs> into, as long as she keeps it at arm's length because she d- doesn't care. <laughs> mm, damn. I was about to recommend you and her watch Beast Stars. I'm going to watch that, uh, and and it is on my list, uh, but there's, there's no way in hell I can get her to watch that. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. if uh, if you do get her the watcher don't tell her that I recommended it because she might get the wrong idea
1: <laughs> or the right idea oh you said you had a two-parter this week didn't you I had a Watcher? sir? yes yes a, two- a two-parter that's right my week hasn't even ended because I also played and beat a game in one week, what? and I, oh my god! I know, I'm so proud of myself. Once, what a golden goose egg! What's more, it ties into a conversation I've already had. So, oh, the trifecta! Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a real hot property. Uh, this because this week I played and beat Super Metroid.
0: Oh, lovely! That's the one. That's the you know in the Castlevania Metroid uh, dichotomy, the the diumvirate, <laughs> That's the one that I never beat. I got to. It was the first one I ever played. The first Metroidvania I ever played hmm. was Super Metroid, and I got a fair bit into it. But uh, I was quite young at the time, and I didn't really grasp the 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 minutia and the tropes of the genre. Yeah. So I just got a bit frustrated
1: and quit. I might. I'll. I'll I might finish up one of these days. I well, I, first off, I can say I one hundred percent fucking recommended all the praise in the world has been deserved for fucking Super Metroid. That game is a fucking it's classic gem. for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. But there's uh, so many times you go back to these games and they can be disappointing or slightly dated. Not so for Super Metroid. That game holds up like a fucking... Uh, I don't know. A massive arm. Maybe one of those ones from The Lord of the Rings. Those statue ones. Like a chizo
0: Or a Joseph,
1: that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> that's on theme. That makes sense. Yeah, I... I had a similar experience, I, not so much with Super Metroid, but with the original Metroid. And to be fair, I don't know if I would have enjoyed this nearly as much if I hadn't spent 15 hours with Hollow Knight so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got the foundation. Yeah, the, my my original exposure to this that I went whole hog in on back in when I when I owned a Wii in like 2006 or seven. I got the original Metroid, and uh, that was a terrible, terrible game to start Metroidvania on. Just an impenetrable wall. Yeah. I mean, I I literally played some today, and it's a lot better than I remember from having played Super Metroid, and I might talk about that Mm -hmm. at some point, if I ever beat it or get any further into it. But um, yeah, Jesus, what a terrible, terrible starting point is the original Metroid. Like, it's...
0: because these days you've got the wrinkles in your brain dedicated to Metroidvanias. You've got all the, like the uh, the techniques in
1: your brain, and you know what you're doing now. Yeah, so it's yeah. like oh, I found the rhythm. Mm. But uh, yeah, Super. But I mean, even then, Super Metroid is a fucking treasure. You know what I remembered, by the way. <laughs> another weird metroidvania i beat did you know? You ever hear of uh batman arkham asylum Blackgate?
0: oh is that a metroidvania game? yeah uh,
1: which i like because it's such a weird one i struggle to remember <laughs> that it was <laughs> but yeah it's straight up a fucking a metroidvania you have to revisit areas and with new power-ups it is, it's straight up metroid <laughs> mm. anyway super metroid for one of the big things i like about it is that it has the most minimal metroidvania lull any metroidvania could possibly have yeah, it's because it's it's one of the very early ones
0: so it hasn't got any of the the crufts
1: yeah no no fucking around is how i like to put it
0: has to be small by design so on a snes cartridge it's tiny
1: but it's t- to be fair i think it's more to do with the design there are three things i really really liked about this game that kind of helped make it what it is because i didn't intend to play super metroid this week right i, I just i was dawdling on the switch I had that fucking SNES online thing where you've got a little back catalogue of all the Mm -hmm. SNES games. I I picked it at random. I played it for like 20 minutes uh, to kill time and realized that I didn't want to stop even though I had totally intended to. It's got a real good sense of atmosphere that game, doesn't it, with the music? Oh yeah, absolutely. Even though, to be fair, the sound chip on the SNES is fucking terrible. And there are about... I like it. There are about like five tracks in the game total Mm -hmm. it no you know it's it's weird because i went you go one step back i when i played the original metroid the sound the actual songs were slightly deeper in in uh in melody than super metroid uh but what they did was smart they they went whole hog on atmosphere rather than jingles so Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's just sort of boom boom ah, boom boom ah. Not really a lot of like memorable melodies, I would say. Whereas Metroid's like back to back fucking yeah, it's all like it's all about like
0: cu- <laughs> like cultivating a, a you know an atmosphere, a sense of immersion. Yeah,
1: you're in an alien land, all in your own. <laughs> there's three factors as to what I really fucking love about Super Metroid. The first is the map, and this is what I was mm-hmm. talking about with the fucking Metroidvania lull conversation we were having before. That I said, you know, mm-hmm. like there's got to be a way that a map. Can work in these games and apparently there is a way it's the way super metroid did it because it's perfect <laughs> at the start of the game you get to little map areas you know, like little map machines and they give you the map to a whole area mm. albeit hiding secrets and that's for the first few areas and basically it does that early on so that you know the general vibe layout patterns of the areas what to expect you know, to explore every cranny, you know, that when you're going to certain parts of the map and you see something, you're like, okay, you know, that's what I have to look out for later on because an area or two later, they stop giving you maps, mm-hmm. but they've trained you. You know what to look for. Exactly. And, but I also, what I also really like about the map system in this though, is that not only is it bro- it's broken into nice, neat rooms, but you can tell by looking at the map, A, whether it has uh, an item in it, uh, B, whether you've been in it specifically, if you've stood in that square of the map, and C, generally, if there's any big areas of the map that are nearby that you haven't touched by looking at the sort of open brackets of the squares on the map. Mm-hmm. said the word map a lot already. <laughs> <laughs> um and just relentless the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> wrong words from lee someone ought to hold him to it uh this is just it's just the best system uh it's it's just perfect because you you're always inclined to know generally what you missed in in previous areas what items you've picked up what items you were in the room of that you kind of know you haven't touched yet you know it's mm-hmm. it just works and it trains yeah. you so well that by the mid game you're like you know you you hardly ever fucking lost.
0: Yeah, the uh, the Egovania games, like uh, you know, I know Symphony of the Night at least has something very similar to that. I haven't mm. played the others, but I know that they basically follow on in the same footsteps. They all have a very similar map system to such an extent that it's often considered to be the, the go to Metroidvania map. Mm-hmm. Hollow Knight doesn't do that. It's got more of a stylized one, but you know, if you're if, if if you're not deep in on Metroidvania as a genre, it could like throw you off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hollow Knight's got a very hands-off system where it kind of it does it does point you generally to big doors you haven't walked through if you've been in rooms next to them. Mm-hmm. But often it doesn't tell you whether you've found anything or have even tread certain areas. It, it lacks a lot of the details like Could make exploring its world Just a tiny bit easier (laughs) And more enjoyable Mm. And centered I'm trying not to make this a Fuck Hollow Nights Take on Metroidvania uh mm-hmm. conversation because again i'm 15 hours into hollow knight i've obviously enjoyed it to some extent or i would have stopped playing it a long time ago uh, another thing i really liked about super metroid is its linearity which is another thing i was talking about that i wished metroid were a little more uh, because it does it right in that it's not technically linear essentially you're never really inclined to go back on yourself for some reason in super metroid like you can and you'll be rewarded for doing so Like, you'll find shit. But oftentimes, what you're looking for is straight ahead of you or in the room that you're in already. You've burrowed down, just keep looking. (laughs) In the area that you're in, you'll find something using that par to get you to it and basically connect you to an older area that you haven't been to. You don't have to go all the way back. You kind of are making steady progress regardless. So each time I went back you know i i ended up not finding anything to progress and then found out later that it was just in the fucking general area that i picked up the thing i had <laughs> <laughs> and so i went back overthinking overthinking it almost being like i remember rooms where this was going to come in handy you know the grappling hook i remember loads of these things i remember specifically they're over here and over there uh, and so you backtrack your way through and you do those things and they give you like a missile upgrade nothing nothing major and then you slowly, wearis- wearisomely go, ah, uh, I've been a fool. You hit a dead end, and you get a yeah, a minor upgrade, and you're like, ah, uh, all right, fine. It's it's just less egregious uh, than Hollow Knight's system, I guess. Not to make a bad example of it, or, or what triggered me to write the the original piece was Hollow Knight. So I guess it, it's going to keep pointing at that, but it's not just Hollow Knight's fault. Uh, the Steam World. Did a lot of this stuff, too. Mm-hmm. or Those games have gotten me to a point where I'm not overthinking how the, how the genre works. <laughs> that I have to be basically here, there, and everywhere at all times to mm-hmm. kind of pick up on stuff. Your photographic memory. Yeah, exactly. Which was good in practice because it let me find secrets from earlier uh sections in Super Metroid, which I was grateful for because then I had... Plenty of extra health and extra ammo for dealing with trickier bosses, of which there was only one, and that was Ridley. There was, or mm-hmm. is it Ridley? Is it Ridley? Ridley, yeah. Ridley, yeah. Uh, yeah, the only... Ripley is from Aliens. The only difficult boss is Ridley.
0: <laughs> you didn't have any trouble with the, that plant thing that goes... Doo, do, 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 do. <laughs> I had some trouble with that one, though it was a while ago. I, don't, I, I didn't have the skills that I have now.
1: Maybe, yeah, that's like
0: the first boss, isn't it? I remember being like, uh, maybe the third boss. Craid came first, I think.
1: Maybe, yeah. Uh, no, I, I never found any of them difficult, uh... There was one that beat me, and I don't even think I died to any of them, except one of them, which was like a, like a ghost one that I was going about all the wrong way, and it turns out it's because it has a, a one specific weakness. It's a puzzle boss, basically, uh, and classic. so when I actually solve the puzzle, it's... It's a piece of cake. It's not actually challenging. It's always a bit of a, a bit of a, whenever you
0: get into a puzzle boss and it's not immediately obvious that it's a puzzle boss. So you die a couple of times until you run down the grooves that the, the developer has left for you. And then you find the rhythm and you're like, oh, OK, fine. Yeah, we'll do it your way.
1: Mercifully, a lot of the time those can actually those can genuinely trip up your experience. I got real lucky and, and stumbled upon the solution on my second go uh so lucky me but uh ridley ridley a, a tough ass boss to be sure and uh, luckily i because i had backtracked enough throughout the game i picked up enough materials or our bonuses to take him down eventually uh mm-hmm. but like i would have had to backtrack actively at a certain point i feel because he, he's a hard-ass bastard and i felt pretty overpowered going into that fight and he just fucking tore me to shreds. Well, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> no, want. it is. And uh, in its credit as well, Hollow Knight has that exact feeling, but like far more frequently. And that's really Hollow Knight's strength is that every maybe second boss fight is a Ridley. And it feels great to beat them. Yeah,
0: you feel like you're hot shit going in and you just get stomped. And then every once in a while you go into a boss and you'll beat them on like the first or second try. And you're like, ooh, that feels good too. But in a different way, this game's got everything.
1: Yeah, 100%. It really sucks you in and rewards you. And speaking of rewards, Super Metroids, the point three is uh, fucking rewards. This game is just packed full of them. It's just every, every room's got something. All sorts of goodies. You're always getting shit. By the end of this game, I picked up sixty percent of the items, and I was what I felt like pretty thorough. Going back to get stuff. Did you? Uh, did you save the animals? Uh, nope. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. You saved the frames, huh? I saved what?
0: Do you remember that? It's the old GDQ formula, you know. You'll uh, cause uh, you can go back. You know when the the planet's exploding or whatever in the final showdown. Sure. And you have to rush back to your ship. If you take a detour, you can save a whole bunch of animal friends that helped you earlier in the game. <laughs> what? Animal friends? Yeah, there's a bunch of animal friends to help you earlier in the game, like some wildlife. And uh, you can save them from the exploding planet, although it costs you about half a minute to do it. And uh, every GDQ, there's always a, a, a donation incentive. For the... <laughs> save the animals. <laughs> save the animals
1: or save the frames.
0: Ah, very cool. <laughs> I see that uh, based on your confusion
1: that you left them to die. Uh, yeah 100% and that would explain the Terrible. sort of 40 Terrible. seconds or so I had left after getting to the ship <laughs> heartless I know apparently I don't even remember these animal friends in the main game yeah the
0: good, Yeah, goes good to show how good of a friend you yeah. are huh?
1: what's great about the rewards as well there were like two key ones that I absolutely didn't mm. pick up. Which just goes to show how much Too fucking key. shit was in this game. Two key? Oh, you mean like ones
0: that unlock doors to different areas? No,
1: you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the word key was the wrong choice there. Two optional but cool. Oh,
0: key hasn't simply important. Oh, major upgrades and optional but cool is just a really long-winded way of saying mandatoryly. Yeah. That's what that is. So
1: what I meant to say was there were two not-mandatory cool optional ones that were named that were supposed to show up on your little readout about all the things that you have that I never got, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great because I even picked up one that I definitely know you could have beaten the game without, which is the X-Ray of Scopo Vision, which, uh, in fairness to Metroid's flaws, the X-Ray thing actively made the game less enjoyable to play. Oh, Oh yeah, looking for hidden areas with the X-ray. Yeah, version. I, yeah I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather it never gave that to me.
0: Bit of a pacing killer.
1: But yeah, anyway, this game you in fucking rewards, and I appreciate that as somebody who likes trinkets and being led by the nose in my games. Don't don't get too expecting for that to be taking place in future Metroidvania games. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To be fair, I the only other Metroid game I have played is Metroid Prime Hunters, which is ah, garbage. Yes.
0: <laughs> yep, it's the one. It's the
1: one you lent to me, and uh, I don't think I ever finished it. Uh, I, you couldn't even tell because the ending is much like the ending to the first boss, which is it's been the same thing four to eight times in a row, and nothing has changed. I remember the
0: contr- the controls for that game being torturous, <laughs> in a in like a a, a pseudo kidikris uprising kind of way. Yep, where you're contorting yourself in weird ways just to get things, just
1: to walk around. And it had a... Did it have a multiplayer mode? It had a multiplayer deathmatch, didn't it? Oh boy, yes it did. Which I actually played. And you think it's torturous trying to react to AI that have given slow plotting patterns that are easy to, to shoot in the main game. Just you wait till you try out goddamn multiplayer. It's Metroid Prime Hunters. It's excellent. To be fair, it actually has a really good component. Which was that you could pick any of the Hunters and each of them had a special mm-hmm. par. That was yeah, that, that was, was cool. Neat. Uh, And that's about it. So it was like a (laughs) proto-Overwatch. Anyway, Super Metroid, greatest of all praise I can give it is that it is tight. Oh yeah, it's tight. It's just a real condensed game. Like It took me definitely under 8 hours, maybe under 7 to beat. Well-trimmed,
0: no fat, all just snipped off. Yeah, I mean... Nice and lean. It had
1: optional crap that you, to look for if you really if you were inclined mm-hmm. and sometimes i was and sometimes i wasn't and that was really fun and uh it, and all it's done is it brings to a kind of close or it brings more questions into the metroidvania lol discussion mm-hmm. because now it makes it seem like later games have been unable to iterate in any effective way on the genre so they've just elongated uh like i i think Hollow Knight has iterated in the right direction in that it's super stylized, it takes a little more key design philosophies from games like Dark Souls, where you've got like a spawn system and and you're rewarded to go back to where you were to pick up your your lost souls, and that system works great in mid gameplay. Mm-hmm. And also, it it's smart in that it doesn't try to be Metroid. Like it it's it's got a fucking a mostly melee centered combat system, right? It's it's a perfect alternative. I guess it's I guess it's closer to Castlevania. Castlevania, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's only dawning on me now. Uh, it's made me excited to actually check out Symphony of the Night, which I had been slowly building towards by playing older Castlevania games. Symphony of the Night is a it's a grand old tune. Yeah, you know it, it it holds up really well.
0: Yeah, the the Super Metroid Castlevania Symphony of the Night back to back double feature that's a that's a real treat
1: right there. Yeah, it sounds great. Of,
0: assuming that you're not busy, of course. Oh.
1: Yeah, I don't know how 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 ready I am to jump into it, but it's on it's on the near list, near future list for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess what it's done is highlight all the more what I don't like in Hollow Knight's design. Mm-hmm. And now I, I've looked, I've looked at uh, uh, how long to beat, and it says there's at least another ten hours of Hollow Knight ahead of me, uh, which mm-hmm. cannot be because it has to be much fucking more. <laughs> is it including DLC? No, no, that's just main main story, 25 hours on average, and I'm 15 there hours a, in. Uh,
0: there is a a difficult optional area which I'm sure you're just so excited to not do.
1: <laughs> you see the, the the thing is I I love the difficult bosses. I love the challenges of those and I I find navigating its world tedious yeah ah. i th- that's that's what's frustrating about it it's because it's a two halves kind of thing i really enjoyed hollow knight the first portion of which is just sheer exploration any direction counts. beat a bunch of bosses mm-hmm. fight a bunch of interesting enemies you know 15 hours of that to walk away with a game that gets 15 hours of that experience out of me is i think something to commend and the fact that i'm struggling so much to want to keep going, <laughs> even though I've stopped having a good time, <laughs> is mm-hmm. clearly frustrating me because I've now brought it up in the show more than two times. Yeah, you're starting to sound like me. We're hitting that point where I have now started to wonder... This It ties into my conversation last week, right? Where I'm like, is it better to preserve the, the good part of the gameplay? I mean, like...
0: Oh, but you're you're this close to the end, Lee. <laughs> but I'm not, but so that's close. the whole thing.
1: I'm not... I 10 hours is a duddle. that's nothing. 10 hours. that's that's an estimate if I can figure out which way is the right way to go. Oh yes, if you know what you're doing, I suppose that's true. <laughs> like, and and what's more for, is that it's the walk back to the boss that's annoying me now. Like, I found the next really? boss, and I'm like, I just want to fucking start and do it again. Why do I have to fucking trek? Have you been getting all the, all the shortcuts and the hidden benches? Yeah, no, of course. I'm as close as I can be, which still means I am a five to six screen walk from the nearest boss. Like, it's it's the part I, I found the most annoying about Super Metroid was the uh, the last save point, the save room before Ridley is is a death chamber away which is part of the gauntlet right like mm-hmm. you're getting to the, the the last big boss i mean there's there's mother brain spoiler but there's mother brain in this game and it's the last boss you go through the room that you fought her in i mean come on foreshadowing i know yeah and there's also a flashback to assets that have her in it <laughs> uh-huh. like oh i'm sure oh, they just know, put the- not use them yeah exactly yeah yeah we just we just Updated her designs, you know, just just to remind people for no reason that Mother Brain exists. But yeah, you know, like that's that was grand. Uh, but what I the gauntlet, which is part of the challenge of the Ridley thing, is is decent the first couple of times you beat it, and then when you are blasting through it and you're not taking any damage or you're taking so little damage on the way there that uh, it gives you those those like farming aliens, the aliens that you farm mm-hmm. health off just before yeah. it. It just makes you ask, why not just put the door here now that I've beat the gauntlet and I'm just sitting here farming for health? You know, like that, that trek became my least favorite part of the game, although it did help compound my relief after beating Ridley that I didn't have to do it again, which I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, oh, good, now that I've done that, I no longer have to do the most tedious part of the game. And I think, like, mm-hmm. this works for Hollow Knight right, it, like, right up till, like, maybe just past the City of Rain or Tears or whatever it's called. City of Tears, yeah. Yeah, um, the game kind of gets to that point. It's getting to a nice thematic building. Everything's kind of culminating to something. Kind of feels in that way a a lot like almost the scope of Super Metroid, now that I think about it, because there's like five big worlds, each with their own big bosses. There's a lot to explore, but not all of it's necessary. You Mm -hmm. know, like, and at that point, it culminates in this big... Character-filled area uh, that feels Endgame, and then Hollow goes <laughs> Welcome to the end of the prologue, motherfucker. You mm-hmm. know, now we introduce you to the deep lore about the king and stuff, and you're like, "All right, oh yeah." It's like that's interesting. Uh, uh, although, <laughs> like, it could have been. I don't know. It's it's it was interesting in theory, but what it has amounted to has been walking up to gravestones. To people who go, I'm doing it for the king, and then beating them and getting nothing out of the fight other than satisfaction of beating them. I don't know. Oh,
0: yes, the Dream Nail enemies. Uh, A lot of them are uh, Kickstarter characters, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I saw the area with all the Kickstarters, and maybe some of the bosses are as well, because they're all featured by somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and some of the boss fights have been really really good and that's the that's that's what's most frustrating is that I love fighting bosses in Hollow Knight and wish I could just skip to that at this point but there's it's still a metroidvania on top of it all and the metroidvania mm-hmm. is not getting any deeper <laughs> Whatever you say I just wish it had this and it just had this you know I'm just thinking to myself I sure
0: surely he just doesn't like metroidvanias cuz looks like But you can't features, say that anymore, anymore cuz
1: I love super metroid <laughs> Like, legitimately yeah, the Metroid, Metroid was... of Metroidvania. Uh,
0: but you see, you may be in the unfortunate situation of... You've heard the TV Tropes trope, uh, early installment weirdness, where uh, early iterations of something has a lot of features that are later refined out as they iterate and iterate upon the formula until they get closer to something that they... You know, the, the err yeah, yeah the early, genre.
1: Yeah, early,
0: early innovator jank. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it could be Lee that uh, all the things you like about Super Metroid are early jank of the Metroidvania genre <laughs> that have be since been refined out.
1: by lesser games.
0: Because uh, you're basically saying, "Oh, I really like the linearity of this Metroidvania game, even though linearity is like <laughs> it's directly not a feature contrary." to yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I guess I like the exploring part of it to a point. I guess it's just gotten to the point in Hollow Knight where the exploration has just blown out to such a degree that I'm no longer enjoying it. And my argument here is that it's still strict, technically linear, right? Like, Mm. there's still a main path. There's now just more options, which makes it annoying, (laughs) you know? Like, it is linear in nature because there's only one way to to progress. Because I've tried, in this particular case, I have three bosses on different sides of the map... And I can't access two sides of the map, you know, like that's that's linear gameplay that they've just stretched out. There is a single critical path, if that's what you're saying. But yeah, uh, but that's what I mean. So it's a linear game obfuscated by Metroidvania genre conventions. (laughs) I wouldn't quite go so far as to say it's linear because
0: whilst there is a critical path, there will be times where that critical path splits and you can choose how you might get there. Between one of three options, like, oh, I've got, like, three bosses that I need to fight in order to get the power-ups that I need to get to the the next phase of the game. (laughs) And you can do them in any order, and, you know, some of them might be easier with certain items that you found earlier, or items that you haven't found yet, things like that. The fact that a personal improvement is locked behind discovery, and you can discover those things in any order you want, sort of obfuscates the, the linearity that you so desperately desire
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no you're right and i mean there are points in hollow knight that i've experienced so far where it's given me multiple approaches and it's just let me get on with it and i've really appreciated that i think i'm just Mm. at a particular point in it where it's now just blown out so much and yet it's not it's it's feeling less and less rewarding to push forward uh even though i'm still enjoying the the meat of the game (laughs) you know and I blame that on sticking rigidly to convention. That it had no other reason than convention to stick to. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, I suppose. But that's that's again, it's a bad. It's it's not like a fucking. Lots of people fucking love Hollow Knight, uh, start to finish. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, you're wrong or anything. I just mean for me, it's it's. It's, mm-hmm. it's putting me off. I, and the only reason it keeps coming up is because I'm frustrated because otherwise I love it. You know,
0: this reminds me of a, of a, of a, an observation I saw someone make, I think it was on Twitter. I can't remember where, where they basically pointed out how strange it was that all the tentpole indie classics of the last 15 years have all taken place in a series of caves. <laughs> Cave story takes place in a series of caves undertale takes place in a series of caves. Minecraft takes place in a series of caves. <laughs> Hollow Knight takes place in a series of caves. Spelunky takes place in a series of caves.
1: Braid takes place in cave-like levels, mostly pretending to be outside, but generally cave-like.
0: Limbo spends two-thirds of its gameplay in a series of caves. It inside spends be... half its
1: time in underwater, which is the the underwater version of caves. <laughs> They're man-made caves.
0: Yeah. What is about caves? Hmm. SteamWorld Dig. Series of Caves. Yeah, indeed. Guacamole Gu- actually does Series of Caves. 70% yeah. of its time in caves. <laughs> Whoever this is, they've hit upon some conspiracy, I think. There's something to this, I'm sure. I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Hollow Knight. You, you hate Hollow Knight, and you think the people who like it are stupid. That's
1: what you were saying. I'm just saying that you might be one of the the overlanders sent by the mole people to convince me that I have to keep playing a cave game. And mm. I, I won't stand for it anymore, Lawrence. I quit the cave game. Ooh, you that's... and your you and your bull people can't can't force me anymore. I've got other You're stuff. Quitting to play. all the cave games, but there's so many <laughs> and they're all so good. <laughs> they can't all be good.
0: Super Metroid's a cave game. <laughs> Duh.
1: I wonder if uh the ending of this seems a little more contentious and uh and undownbeat than our usual endings. Quickly, Lawrence, salvage it. Give us something quirky and hilarious to think about. So uh we're not doing a podcast next week. <laughs>